Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Welcome back to Take It or Leave It. We are going to be continuing our discussion on fearing the Lord and what it truly means. As you know, on this podcast, we have had parts one through six so far, and it is so important and so critical to preach this when we evangelize others and to expose the sugar-coated teachings in this world today. There are so many today that are misleading many to the wide path, and they don't even realize it. Amen. So if you glorify Jesus, you glorify the Father. But everything that we do on this earth is about knowing Jesus. That is why we are continuing to dive deep on the teaching of fearing the Lord. You might be asking yourself, why so many sessions on fearing the Lord? The reason why there are so many sessions on fearing the Lord is because there are so many layers and they are so very important. Do you remember when Paul said to test yourself? What did Paul mean when he said to test yourself? He meant examine yourself. And he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 5. It says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, for you know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified. So unless Jesus is in you, you are disqualified. So you need to test yourself. This is along the same lines of what Paul is saying when you need to work out your own salvation. Work out does not mean do good works. It means work it out for yourselves. Divide the word. You are the only one. You are the only one who's going to have any idea if you are saved or not, and it is based on you fearing the Lord with trembling. Amen. So Paul meant, think again. If you think you're in the faith, you think you believe in Jesus, think again. If you think you're saved, think again. Consider your ways and think again today. Don't think again tomorrow. Amen. Because when you die, it's too late. Your fate is sealed at that very last breath. In the last episode, we talked about faith, specifically that faith follows fear, meaning that faith is after fear. In other words, fear is ahead of faith. So fear first, then faith second. A good understanding of fear and fearing itself is required in evangelism. If you are spreading the gospel, this is required a good understanding of fear and fearing itself if you claim to be an evangelist you must understand fear itself and you must fear the lord so not just understanding it but actioning it okay and today there's many that aren't evangelizing why because they don't understand these things they don't care if people are saved today many don't understand how critical it is to truly evangelize and spread the gospel and to preach the full message a failure to evangelize is a lack of the study of the word and understanding of fear so evangelists today professing evangelists i should say they are not studying and understanding fear 
and fear is the origin of the passion to lead others to Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll say that again. Fear is the origin of the passion to lead others to Christ. So you will tell a lot about a person based on their passion to lead others to salvation so that they can spend eternity with Jesus. Amen. Do you have a passion? Some like to cook, some like to sing or paint. And you will know the passion of a person based on what they are doing and what they talk about. And so many have so many passions that they ask, please teach me how to balance God in my life. And they believe that as long as God carries more weight, that they are approved. They think that everything's going to be okay for them, that they can have all these other passions and that it's about balancing God. But what I have learned is that there is no balance with God. I'll say that again. There is no balance with God because God takes all the weight. He is the center of everything. And surely when we serve him with all our heart, mind, and soul, everything else will work out for us. It's a conditional promise. Amen. So I'm not saying it's bad to have a passion for loving your family, but God needs to carry all the weight. And you will see God show up in your life because when you serve him with all your heart, mind, and soul, things will work out for you. I'm not saying you have a life without trials. Amen? I'm not saying that. Because just as the wise man built his house on the rock, he still had the rains and the floods and the winds. Right? But because he was built on the rock, he remained the promise of God fulfilled. But he still had to endure the rains the storm, the winds, the floods. Amen. So it is a false teaching to tell others and assure them that everything's going to work out for them. Because again, they can't come back from the dead and tell you, why did you say that to me? Why did you give me such a false assurance? Because God's word is clear. God must be the center of everything. There is no balance with God and you and I must work out our salvation for ourselves. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And that's in Matthew chapter 6. I want to read verses 31 to 34. And it says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So when we read this verse, we can understand that failure to seek him first results in trouble in our life. When you seek him above all things every day, not just on Sundays, you will See the goodness of God unfold in your life. Why? Because that is what he promises. Amen. By fearing him. Amen. We need to fear him. If you understand fear, you are going to have the passion to bring others to him. No understanding of fear means no passion to make disciples, to evangelize others, to truly spread the gospel so that more souls are designated to live with Jesus for eternity. Fear came first. Why? Well, for me personally, when I learned that I was predestined to hell, and again, I was told this, but I had to study what hell was. I had to study what hell was like. 
Amen? And I want to encourage you to study hell for yourselves because you need to understand where we are predestined. Unless we come to Jesus, we are on a road straight to hell. The Bible teaches us this. It's normal to talk about this and it needs to be talked about more because the people need to understand what it is that Jesus saved us from and they need to understand that he has the authority to put us there. And by he, I don't mean Satan. I mean Jesus. He has the authority to cast our souls in hell. The Bible doesn't just teach us about hell, but also how to escape hell. Study it in the Bible. So once you understand the danger of hell, faith began from the word of God. The Bible tells us we must be converted like a little child. It doesn't matter what good works we do. It doesn't matter how much money we donated to charities. Good works or being a good person, as I mentioned earlier, it will not allow you or me to enter heaven. We need to fear the Lord. It's a must. You know, today, and I've witnessed this myself, but some brag about what they've accomplished for God. They're so misled by their resume of Christianity, of their accomplishments. But whenever we brag and we lean on these accomplishments and you look at it as if this is your resume to get into heaven, that's a problem. You're not saved by works. Salvation is by grace through faith. And in Ephesians 2, I'm going to read verses 1 to 10. It says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature of wrath just as the others. Amen. So again, predestined to hell. Verse 4, But God, who is rich, in mercy because his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ verse 7 that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kingdom toward us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved faith and that not of yourselves is that the gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them amen did you also know that Paul refers to anything on this earth so anything that we could lean on on this earth is counted as rubbish we must be willing to lose all to gain the one. Or as Paul said, it's rubbish. In Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 7 to 11, and it says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, that righteousness 
which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Verse 11, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So what does this mean? In other words, what you have done is nothing. It's worth nothing. Like trash, taking credit for things accomplished for the kingdom is displeasing to God. To boast in those things is displeasing to God. Why? Because he gets all the credit. Amen? Jesus gets all the credit. Our confidence needs to be in him and not in ourselves. We don't build ourselves up with self-confidence. It's a sin to take credit for what God did. Instead, we should be bragging about the mighty, magnificent power of God. Amen? So, faith came from words that shared that I needed to be saved. Right? That's when faith started because I feared. I feared the one. Amen? I understood hell. I understood that it was a danger. And I understood that Jesus is the one that can put me there. Then from there, it's those words put into action. Amen? It's critical. It needs to be put into action. Faith is something that you action. And you don't just action it on Sundays. Right? It's consistent daily action. So I want to ask you some questions. Did you have faith before you feared? Or did you fear first, then have faith? Only you know this. I'm not here to tell you this. But true faith follows fear. You know, those forced to come to church as a child do not fear the Lord. You feared your parents. Amen. I, I was that child. I was forced to go to church growing up. And I went because I feared my parents. Amen. Some come to church for community only today. They want to see their friends. They're looking for a place to belong right? Or maybe they're looking for a lover and it's a great place to meet someone. Sure, it's a way to get your foot in the door to get to God. But did you fear first? And do you fear him now? Think again. Paul says, test yourself. Think again. Examine yourself. Consider your ways. Faith that doesn't come from fear is not faith that pleases God. Faith that doesn't come from fear is not faith that leads to salvation. We want to make sure we come correct, that we have the God-pleasing faith that leads to salvation. Do you remember Apostle James in the Bible? He defined dead faith in the Bible. In other words, unactioned faith. Faith without works is dead. And this is in James chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 14 to 17. And it says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So why is it today that people have faith without works. It's because this person does not fear God. Therefore, they didn't act on any faith. Amen. They had it backwards. Their faith came first before they feared the Lord. Even Jonah, remember Jonah in the Bible? We all know this story and many know this story. The first time he was commanded to preach repentance. Why repentance? Because without it, 
Without repentance, there is no salvation. Jonah failed to listen. Can you imagine today ignoring the order from the one who created you? Jonah ignored the order from God. I personally cannot imagine that. He's the creator of this world. And many today ignore him constantly rather than fearing him constantly, rather than taking action constantly. And remember, there's no half action either. You need to be fully taking action. So you can't be in commission and in service for the Lord 50% of your time. It's all the time. Amen? These people say, maybe later, Lord. Or maybe their ears are completely shut. How come? Because they don't understand fear. They have not studied fear. So therefore, they do not fear him. Amen? You see, Jonah, he didn't have consequences right away. And perhaps many of us can relate to this today whenever we evaluate some past situations we may have encountered. Jonah didn't have consequences right away. So when I say consequences, consequences from who? I mean the Lord. God did not release Jonah's consequences right away, so Jonah believed his disobedience was okay. Why did he believe he was okay? Well, one, Jonah bought a ticket to Tarshish and thought that since he was able to purchase a ticket without trouble that God approved of his decision. Perhaps Jonah even started to think, oh, God changed his mind, right? Deceiving himself. Do you deceive yourself? Why do people do that? It's because they are convicted and they don't want to feel convicted. So they manipulate their own minds into thinking that God approves of their actions. God is not a respecter of person. What God says is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God means what he says. Jonah even boarded the ship. And because nothing stopped him, Jonah thought, everything is okay for me. Not only did he board the ship, but the ship set sail into the sea. Jonah began to relax seeking rest, thinking, God approves. Maybe I'm the exception, right? No one is an exception to the command of God. So at this point, here comes God who essentially responded with the consequences because he had enough. That's enough. That was the limit. God wanted Jonah to be convicted, but Jonah was not convicted. So God released his discipline. What was the discipline? Waves, winds, trouble at sea. Many today will argue that God does not bring any negative in our lives, but surely when you see how much he loves us, we can understand the trouble from God is good for us. Amen. We need corrected. I need corrected. As long as I'm in this flesh, I need corrected. What kind of father wouldn't correct his children? Amen. I have children. I have little children and we correct them. Why? Because if we don't correct them, they're going to grow up crooked from the word of God and they need to be straight and we love them. We love them so much. We want to see them be successful and live a prosperous life. Amen. So we correct them. Likewise, God loves us so much. He has a passion for us. He wants us to be walking correctly. But back to Jonah. So again, we know this story, but Jonah didn't fear until God sent the troubles. Jonah understood the troubles. So when the troubles came into Jonah's life, he feared. How do we know that? Because the second time God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, Jonah obeyed immediately. He learned so quickly to fear the Lord. Why did Jonah fear the Lord? Because he had the authority to bring the danger into his life. Amen. And likewise, Jesus has the authority to bring the danger into my life. 
and your life. You know, God never forces his ideas to any man or woman. We can choose today. For example, I cook for my children. My daughter's three. I decide what she eats. Why do I decide? Because she's three. She can't decide because she doesn't have a complete understanding to eat what is good for her. So it is up to me to give her what is good for her. Many parents today are negotiating with their kids and teaching them to negotiate with their parents. And later on, they say things like, Mom, you give me this and then I'll do my chores. Give me this and then I'll do the chores you assigned me to. And guess what? Those same children, they grow up to learn to do this with God. Is that not such a disaster? Unlike children, eventually we come of age where we can decide. Most adults today can decide for themselves. They get to choose. God does not manipulate a person. Again, because we can choose, it means we can choose wrong. So in order for God to communicate that we are wrong, he brings the chastisement into our lives to correct us. Amen. So we experience troubles to get us back on the right path, but it's up to us to notice it. It's up to us to acknowledge it. It's up to us to repent, right? Like Jonah, the second time immediately obeyed. This power of God is unlike demonic power. Many don't like to acknowledge demonic power, but we have to. Demons love to remain hidden in your lives. So you better start acknowledging them. Demons can control by force. They can control the mind of a person, the emotions of a person. Today, witchcraft is everywhere. They're buying up all the businesses around you. Take a look and open your eyes. People follow this power, this demonic power, but God does not do that to us. God tells a person option A is the best choice, but the person can still choose option B. Then God tells us we are wrong through troubles in our life. Amen. Despite of people's relentless, nonstop hearing of the word of God, people still continue to ignore the instruction of God. Why? They aren't acknowledging the trouble in their life in that moment. They have deceived themselves into thinking everything is okay, just like Jonah did. They're deceiving themselves into thinking, God understands. I'm going to be all right. My pastor told me I'm going to be all right. People of God, without the understanding and being convicted of the danger of hell and understanding you're predestined to hell, people will not fear. People will not obey unless fear is present. Without fear, there is no faith in God. Let's look at another story to illustrate this through a biblical illustration. Amen. And when I say story, they're actually truths. I don't want you to think that biblical stories aren't real. They're real. This is the truth, the living word of God. Our God is a God of truth. Let's look deeper into Apostle Peter. Peter had fear, then faith, and because of faith, he obeyed Jesus, and this is an example of fear being first. And again, then faith, then action of faith. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. Starting in verse 25, it says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. So the fourth watch so whenever you research, you know, what is the fourth watch? It's a Roman time. It means 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Ironically, this is also a time that many used to engage in satanic practices, right? Many witches and wizards, sorcerers, they use this time to practice their witchcraft. Amen. But Jesus, 
in the fourth watch, he went to them who the disciples, and he was walking on the water. He was walking on the sea. Verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Have you seen a ghost? I have. Jesus taught us this in the Bible. So you can't say they're not real. Plus, you can't tell me I'm lying because I've seen them. They are real and they can harm a person. How? Perhaps they appear when you're doing something dangerous. So for example, if you're fixing something on the roof, perhaps a ghost will appear and you fall off the roof. They can cause you to be harmed. Many today, they fear ghosts, but not a fear of reverence. Instead, it's more of a phobia. They're frightened. Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. So this was a really quick response by Jesus. Why was it so quick? Because there was panic. The disciples were panicking. And people today and then in the Bible, people make wrong decisions when they are in a state of panic. This is why God immediately said, be of good cheer. He was telling them, hey, calm down. It's me. Be happy. Don't panic. I'm here. It's me. So Jesus was talking to his disciples, remember. And this context is so important here because in order to benefit from Jesus, we need to be his disciples. So because they were his disciples, they could be of good cheer because it was him. Not all are recipients of the promises of God. Not everyone can be of good cheer. Only those who fear the Lord. Remember, Jesus died for all, but not all will benefit from his death. Why? Because it's our choice. So again, Jesus was talking to those who feared him. The disciples feared him. So test yourselves and be sure to not fear the ghosts that can harm you, but fear Jesus. Jesus Christ is the one to fear. Continuing in verse 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. 29, And he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So let's look at the sequence of events here. So first, the disciples panicked, right? It's a ghost. They were frightened. Second, they heard the words of Jesus. Jesus said, be of good cheer, it is I. And Jesus spoke to Peter, come. And in that moment, third, faith came to Peter. He believed in Jesus. He believed that's Jesus. And then what did Peter do? Number four, the action of faith came. What did Peter do? He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter's faith was real. And Peter took action. You and I, all of us, we all ought to take action. Amen? I want to take you to Romans chapter 10, verse 14. And I'm going to be reading verses 14 to 17. Starting in verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So in 14 and 15, how can you preach unless you are sent? And it says, how beautiful are the feet? Why are the feet beautiful? Because they move. Don't just pray. You need to go too. You need to move your feet. You know, once my pastor was told after preaching on this verse, 
by someone who was an intercessor, someone who stood in the gap, who was a prayer warrior. They said, yes, the feet are beautiful, but my knees are bleeding from praying. They were offended of the preaching. They wanted to respectfully correct my pastor. But my pastor wasn't saying that your prayers are useless. We're commanded to pray. You know, Jesus himself, when he was on earth, he prayed so much. But this verse specifically says, beautiful are the feet, not the knees. It's the feet that are beautiful because we walk and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Amen. Again, the passion. If you have the passion, if you have the faith, you're also going to have beautiful feet. Why? Because they're moving. We are to seek the kingdom of God. We seek opportunity. Amen. To seek opportunity or even anything. Maybe you lost something and you're seeking for it in your house. You're moving your feet. You're turning everything over. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to move like water. What does that mean? You find all the small openings and you go there. This is living water, flowing water. You flow through those openings. It doesn't matter how tiny you are or how tight they are. You're going to flow through those openings. Don't sit like others and ask God to send you an opportunity. Move your feet. Continuing in verse 17, it says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So faith comes not from your mom or dad taking you to church, even if your parents are pastors. Faith comes from the hearing of the word of God. You are not excused because of who your parents are or because of what your parents did or where they forced you to go. You're not excused because faith comes from hearing the word. Peter heard the word and Peter had faith. Peter actioned his faith by walking on water to Jesus. So no fear means no faith. Is that clear? If you don't have fear of the Lord, you don't have faith. If you and I don't understand the danger, then you don't understand fear. If you don't understand fear, then you don't understand why you need saved. You don't understand the authority of Jesus Christ. And I share this with the love of the Lord because it's my heart's desire that all will understand this. Why? So they can implement it in their lives so that they can be saved. Fear is the origin of passion to save others. If you don't fear, you need to rethink and consider your ways. You know, today people are talking about so much, but servants of God are able to pivot any conversation to repentance and salvation. Why? Because it's their passion. It's what comes out of their mouths. It's not wrong to have other passions, but it's wrong not to have Jesus as your passion. What is Jesus's passion? In other words, what is the will of God? To save all. He doesn't want anyone to perish. God doesn't want anyone to end up in hell because he loves us. And the most dangerous place to be on this earth is outside the will of God. You know, today, some survive terrible accidents. They survive suicide attempts, right? Near-death accidents. And they think, wow, I must be so special to God. We're all special to God. He desires each and every soul because we are all loved by him. And the truth is, you survived because your soul is not ready to leave earth. God loves you 
so much that he keeps your soul in your body till you are ready. Because at that moment, your soul is not ready to spend eternity with him. And what you do with these opportunities, it is your choice. Because remember, God has a limit. He only let Jonah get so far before he released the troubles in his life. God has a limit. And remember Matthew 10, verse 28. We should have this memorized by now. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Amen. Do not fear those who kill the body, but the one who kills the soul. Fear the one who has the passion for you. Again, fearing the Lord has so many layers. And it is so critical that you and I continue to preach this. Take notes. Review your notes. Don't just take my word for it. Divide the word for yourself. Work it out for yourself. Help me share this to others. And remember, think again. If you were thinking again and you realize that perhaps you've been wrong, repent. Repent. Jesus is available today and he loves you. And he wants you to be convicted just like he wanted Jonah to be convicted for his disobedience. We want to repent for the things that we do that displease God, whether we know we're doing it or not. Let him reveal it to us in our lives. And again, I say it in a mirror to myself. We want to present ourselves as approved workers of God. We want to be blemish and wrinkle-free. We want to live holy lives. Why? Because Jesus said so. Why do we care what Jesus says? Because we love him and we fear him with trembling. We want him to be pleased with us. Amen. All of our confidence in him. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. This is Take It or Leave It. God bless you all.